Kravis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Sunday, April the 15th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are joined by Mr. Defense himself, Kevin Dern. Together, we are going to unpack this defense from the current players to the draft prospects, including a showdown of sorts for the 11th pick of the draft. We'll break down Roquan Smith versus Tremaine Edmonds, Minka Fitzpatrick versus Derwin James, and Vita Vey versus Deron Payne. And we'll wrap it all up with Kevin's overall thoughts on this draft, which is now just 11 days away. Let's go ahead and get these things out of the way really quickly. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And check out the number one rated blog in the Locked On Network, LockedOnDolphins.com. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast for all your NBA playoff action. Kevin, you ready? I am ready, Travis. Let's go. Let's get it. That's another Miami Dolphins. And we are joined by Kevin Dern of LockedOnDolphins.com at KevinMD4. Kevin, how are you doing tonight, man? Doing well, thanks. Just uh, stuck in the uh, awful beginning of the red season. Yeah, it seems like every time I talk to you these days, you've either got something bad about the Reds to say, something at work's going crazy, or just really busy. It's been a, a busy year for you so far? Yeah, uh, the uh, post-wedding life hasn't slowed down a whole bunch, and uh, the Reds are off to their worst start since the Great Depression, so <laughs> life is good. I always love when you can reference something like a specific event that everyone knows about from like the you know 40s or whatever it is. It just kind of gives that extra layer of, layer of humor. And meanwhile, the Mariners over here have their best start in the last five years for the Seattle Mariners. So I'm kind of enjoying that right now, despite the loss today. But we are not here to talk baseball. We are here to talk football. And of course, the Miami Dolphins here in the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. And Kevin, I wanted to start by getting your opinions on a couple of new Dolphins, or I should say one and a half new Dolphins. Terrence Garvin is signed, sealed, and delivered. And potentially Kenny Vaccaro might be a post-draft signing. We'll see what happens with him. But let's go ahead and start with Terrence Garvin, the linebacker that comes over from the Seattle Seahawks, formerly of the Washington Redskins and then Pittsburgh Steelers. Before that, I did a brief write-up on him. I watched a few of his games. Luckily, for time preferences, the film on him is pretty limited, so I only had to go through a couple, about an hour or so of his tape. What are your thoughts on Garvin? Is he a potential guy that could challenge for playing time, or who is he directly challenging on this roster? Uh, I think like we talked about the other day when we were texting, um, I think he's probably a direct challenge to uh, Stefan Anthony, a sort of a a Sam Backer coverage specialist type guy and special teams guy. Um, you could almost kind of say he directly re, um, replaces Neville Hewitt, who's gone from last year's roster. Um, I thought he was pretty athletic in the in the one game I've ever seen him play, which is when he broke uh, Kevin Huber's jaw, the Bengals punter. Yeah, and that was a clip that I saw too, and that was kind of where he really excelled on the film that I saw was on special teams. He had a forced fumble on a kickoff last year, and he's just one of those guys that gets down the field first. And losing Michael Thomas, you mentioned Neville Hewitt as a linebacker, but losing like Michael Thomas will be a big blow to the special team, so I'm glad to get him back. But going on towards the potential safety signing, Kenny Vaccaro, one that I think you and I are both a little bit more excited about for some of the things that he can do. And I think maybe more excited because of what it might mean for the direction this defense is going in 2018, opposed to 2017 and 2016 before it. And it's something that you and I have talked a lot about, the dime defense. And 
We've heard Matt Burke talk about them not having that tool, that guy that they can use to get three safeties onto the field. So what do you see in Kenny Vaccaro's game that might interest the Dolphins? And what would you say that his his acquisition would mean towards the Dolphins' defense and their changes in 2018? Yeah, uh, I've seen him and play a few times when he was with the Saints. Um, I think pretty much first and foremost, he's going to be sort of a, a slot specialist. You can call him a slot corner, slot safety whatever you want to do there. Um, he's got some pretty good size, six foot, 215 pounds. So he can kind of match up against some of those tight ends. Um, I know you posted a clip of him against Ed Dixon from a game against the Panthers. I think that was from last year. Yep. Um, so I think basically what it does for the Dolphins defense is it allows them to stop having to play two linebackers on the field down after down, especially on third downs. You can have him come in and be sort of that, second slot player along with Bobby McCain, in my opinion, um, what they do with TJ McDonald and Rashad Jones is kind of still to be determined in my book. If they sign Vaccaro and then still go out and draft, you know, a potential free safety type player, I think you could see TJ McDonald kind of swing down as sort of a, a, a dollar backer. And then I think Rashad Jones is best in those dime situations when you let him kind of be, a robber underneath of a free safety and he can kind of use his instincts and his athleticism to play well. So I think if you get Vaccaro, I think that gives you a proven slot guy to team with Bobby McCain. Um, and then maybe you can do that sort of on a matchup basis type thing where you have Vaccaro taking on tight ends or, or bigger receivers in the slot. And you can kind of let Bobby McCain deal with the smaller, more athletic guys like the Danny Amendola's of the world, you know, McCain can handle those guys pretty well. Doing the Vaccaro deal, drafting a Derwin James, Mika Fitzpatrick, and moving TJ McDonald down to a linebacker role, like you mentioned, just seems like the ultimate way to improve this defense and to get it back to where, and you and I have talked about this a few times and how they've had, they've had games over the last two years where they were, I mean, a little bit short of dominant, but they played really good football. I think back to that, like Buffalo Bills game in 2016, when a guy went for 200 yards. Ryan Tannehill had a pretty good day, but the defense was constantly pressuring Tyrod Taylor. They actually beat Tyrod Taylor for once, and I just feel like there are opportunities for this defense to get back to that mold in 2018 with just a few tweaks here and there. Yeah, I agree, and I think even the Patriots game on Monday night. I mean, I understand that they they didn't have a Gronk that night, but Miami was missing William Hayes and Cordray Tankersley and. You know, I think their starting linebacker in the middle was Chase Allen. So I like the way that Matt Burke kind of adjusted his game plans um, to some respect during the season. I thought they played really well against Atlanta, especially the second half of that game, New England. Um, I think bringing over Tony Oden and Chris Kachurik, you basically have three guys at each level of the defense that all know the system and all know how it works. Um, so I think that alone will help. And then obviously – some player upgrades in the draft will, will help too. Um, but I think you'll see them use more dime packages and maybe even some quarter packages with seven DBs um, when you play some of these pass happier teams. I'm glad you brought the coaches back up because we haven't talked about that very much lately because it just in the NFL's world of recency bias, everything that's happened two months ago seems to get buried. And we're going to get back into defense as you are billed as defensive specialist, Kevin, but that's not to say that you're unknowledgeable with the offense. Let's talk offense for a second. On the other side, we'll do a deep dive into the prospects at pick 11. And the reason we're doing this is because I think the offense has been repaired in a lot of ways, in my opinion. Everyone that has ever seen a Dolphins game knows my feelings about the quarterback. Fastly up upgrade there, going from Cutler back to Tannehill. Running back position, 
I mean, without JJ, you can say what it is, but Kenyon Drake showed big time ability at the end of the year. Frank Gore comes in to kind of solidify that group a little bit. Wide receiver for my money is better with Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant getting more looks. I think Jakeem Grant is kind of the uh, the linchpin there that puts that piece all together. And then the offensive line getting depth as well as quality starters. How do you see this offense playing out in 2018? Is it ball control? Is it big, a big passing attack, rhythm passing? What do you think it's going to look like and how do you think it'll execute? Well, I think it'll be more flexible on a week-to-week basis. Um, you know, that was kind of one thing that Adam Gay said at the uh, the uh, coaches' availability segment during the combine is, you know, he wants to have maybe one guy step up week after week and it be a different guy each week. So I think it'll be flexible. And I think, obviously, it, it comes down to getting better play out of Ryan Tannehill and, and having him come back the way he kind of finished off during that that really nice run in 2016 before the injury. Um, I think at running back they're they're in pretty good shape with Gore and Drake. I'd still like to see him draft another back uh, just because you know, this is probably Frank Gore's last year, his swan song season before he's gone. Um, I love Kenyon Drake, but you know, he's got a pretty extensive medical history as far as the receivers go. I'm going to kind of wait and see how they use them. Um, come training camp in the preseason. Um, I think they'd have the, the ability to be pretty creative. I think they brought in some guys that can kind of run these receiver screens that Adam Gase was always trying to run with Landry and Stills, and they hardly ever seem to work. Um, I think he's got some more flexibility that way. Um, I was really pleased with how the they moved on the offensive line. Um, I thought Mike Pouncey had been pretty overrated for a couple years, and being able to get rid of that contract helps. I think with Josh Sitton coming in next to Laramie Tunsil, that'll that'll kind of help straighten out his game. I, I still think he's got potential to be a, a top five, top seven left tackle in the league. And, uh, you know, Kilgore, from what I've seen, seems like a pretty, you know, ascending player, even though he is a little bit older. Um, you know, maybe center something that they address in the draft or they kept Jake Brendel around his depth. So I really like the offensive line. Um, I still think they'll probably draft one at some point, but you probably don't have to worry about spending, you know, a pick on alignment in the first two or three rounds anymore. Yeah, it does seem like it has more depth than it ever has before. That's kind of why I'm excited about it because uh, when you have the pass protection they have up front and then they're not going to be able to run the ball that well with this group, I don't think. But just the fact that they have depth, they can actually survive, you know, the instances that happened at the course of the season. You're not going to have Dallas Thomas and Billy Turner back out there. But we're here to talk about defense. We'll do that next. We'll get into Kevin Dern's piece on the Defensive Prospect Primer is the name of the piece. If you haven't checked it out already, go, go ahead and do so right now at LockedOnDolphins.com. He has a two-parter on the linebackers, a one-parter on the defensive backs, and a one-parter on the defensive tackles. We'll talk about that next on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins. And the segment that I was most excited about to have you on for, Kev, was your defensive prospect primer piece. And the defensive backs just went up on LockedOnDolphins.com. So let's go ahead and start there. And I wanted to really get into the 11th pick of the draft first and unwrap that first. Let's go ahead and start with the safeties because I think that Denzel Ward, for what... I mean, he could be a fit for the Dolphins, and he's definitely a very good player, but I think they're going to probably go more in the direction of the safeties if they do go defensive back. So let's start with Minka Fitzpatrick versus Derwin James. I want to know your pros, your cons, how you compare the two against each other. Do you love one, hate the other? Do you love both of them? And then just finish up by telling me who you who you would prefer out of the two. Yeah, so I think both of those guys are definitely in play at pick 11. Um it's hard to really go wrong with either one in my mind. So if the Dolphins drafted one over the other, um, I'd be pretty happy. I think that kind of 
is that free safety piece that completes the defense. Um, as far as Minka Fitzpatrick goes, I think he's a little bit more fluid in his movements and coverage, and you've kind of see him, seen him do some more things in games for Alabama in terms of coverage. Um, you've seen him play outside. You've seen him play in the slot. You've seen him play in a single high um, safety position. So I think he's kind of got that experience factor um, with Derwin James, he was kind of a, a Swiss Army knife for Florida State. They kind of played him all over the field. Um, I think he's a better athlete in the, you know, in the holistic sense than Minka Fitzpatrick is. And there's certainly some flash plays where you've seen him go back and, and cover deep and a cover one look. Um, you just don't see it as much. So my take is that you know, fresh out of the box, Minka Fitzpatrick might give you more bang for your buck in season one. But in the long run, I think Derwin James's potential is probably higher than Minka Fitzpatrick's. Um, really, I would say the the one knock I, I would kind of have on on Minka is um, he doesn't have you know that elite speed, especially when you put him out wide in, in terms of covering on the perimeter. And the one knock I would have on Derwin James is um, it's kind of a, a two parter. He he doesn't flip his hips as well as you'd like to to see a free safety do, but He's so athletic, it tends not to matter. Um, the other part, I, I can't quite get my finger on it. Um, it's either he's kind of slowing down and acting as a catcher when he tackles in some instances, or it's the way that he was coached to play defense at Florida State. So that's kind of that component you don't know. But when you've seen him in the open field, he's he's a pretty good tackler. And when he gets the opportunity, he can lay a, a pretty good knock on somebody. Is that in reference to how he kind of stops his feet upon contact at times? Um. Not so much upon contact. From what I've seen, it's almost like the play will be two or three yards away from him, and instead of running through the play and delivering a hit like you see Rashad Jones do, yeah, he kind of stops and waits for it to get there. Yeah. Now, again, I don't know if that's the, the way that Florida State teaches that defense and that's that responsibility, so that's kind of an unknown for me right there. Yeah, I love seeing those guys come in there and clean things up. So that's, that could be a concern too. But like you said, when he's in the free field or in the open field, free roaming, he just lays people out when he gets to the ball carrier. So I, we'll see. I, I think that's a really good point. And you talked about potential versus what they are right now. And that's a good segue into the linebackers for me, in my opinion. Now, Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edmonds, just get into it. I want to hear your thoughts on the two players. Um, well, I guess starting with Roquan Smith, I think he has the best coverage potential out of any of the the linebackers in the draft. I think Fred Warner is probably the only one that I've looked at extensively that that is even in the same ballpark, in my opinion. Um, I think for a fit with the Dolphins specifically, I think Roquan Smith would come in and he could be that three-down coverage linebacker where you don't have to worry about having Kiko Alonso on the field or you don't have to worry about putting too much on Raquan McMillan's plate from a coverage standpoint right off the bat. Um, the fit that's kind of hard for me to, to get a handle on is in this defense, you, you're responsible for one gap and you're attacking, you're shooting downhill right off the snap, especially against the run. You just don't see him have that responsibility at Georgia a whole lot. It's not to say he can't do it, and he has shown it on film where he's been able to take on a lead blocker, disengage, and make a tackle. You just don't see it a whole lot, whereas with Tremaine Edmonds, um, He's obviously got more size, and I think that'll be a point that, you know, Chris Greer and Mike Tannenbaum and those guys will seem to like. Um, he shoots the gap. He's kind of played inside and, you know, outside linebacker for the Hokies. Um, really big, you know, big guy, good tackler. 
Um, the knock on him is I don't think he's all the way there in coverage, but he is only 19. So, you know, having two young guys like McMillan and, and Tremaine Edmonds, Edmonds might be really appealing to the front office. Um, but I'm not sure he's a guy that you're going to put man to man, you know, against like a Travis Kelsey or a Gronk or somebody like that. Um, at least not from day one, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a tough task for anyone to go ahead and tackle. And speaking of tough tasks, separating these next two guys, I think might be the hardest one of the two. And I don't know if you'd take either of them at pick 11 or if you want to trade back. You can go ahead and mention that into your answer. But Vita Vea versus Deron Payne. Now, I've heard I've heard every take on both these guys imaginable. I've seen someone call Vita Vea a run-stuffing nose tackle that only plays half the snaps, which is ludicrous to me. And I've seen Deron Payne get called out for similar things. So... What do you think about these two defensive tackles? Kind of go back into your defensive tackle prospect primer and just kind of give me the uh, the story on both of those guys. Yeah, so I think in terms of uh, separating those two guys, you know how we said that Minka Fitzpatrick was kind of more ready out of the box and Deron Paint, or, uh, Derwin James had more potential. I think that's kind of how you can view it here. I think, you know, from day one, uh, Vita Villa probably comes in and, and plays better. But I think in this case, Deron Payne's probably the guy with potential um, with Vea, um, he's just really, really strong. One of those planet theory type guys. It's hard to teach six, four and 347 pounds with that kind of strength and agility and speed. Um, the one thing that kind of caught my eye, you know, when he pass rushes, he kind of reminds me of Jared Audric when Audric was a rookie from Miami. He really does a good job of keeping his feet moving and driving. But if a lineman is able to get his hands inside and kind of withstand that first step and kind of get him stalemated right from the initial step, he doesn't really work his hands much. Now, that's something that's coachable, and I think you can do it. But, you know, in watching some of the the Huskies games, he kind of just goes along for the ride sometimes and keeps his feet moving or he'll try and run around a guy and he'll leave his lane. And, you know, I, I think it was against Oregon he got exposed and gave up a really long run right through his rush lane trying to go all the way around because he – couldn't you know win right off the snap with his hands with Deron Payne he's obviously not quite as big you know he was 6'2 3 I think 310 somewhere around there um super super strong kid um I think he's actually he came to Alabama around 350 and has worked his way down and is just a monster in that weight room program um you have seen him get kind of thrown around on tape a little bit if you watch him against Frank Ragnow Frank Ragnow from Arkansas has his fair share of wins against Payne um, but if there's one player in this year's draft that I think kind of flashes that rare burst off the ball and potential to be like a one-for-one replacement of Indomitian Sue, it's Deron Payne. You just don't see those moments as consistently as you do with Vita Vea. Um, but I, I do kind of think that's more of the nature of how Alabama asks those defensive linemen to play. Because when he does get a chance to pass rush, there are some pretty, pretty good reps on, on film there. Um, he's a guy that, you know, probably would come in if Miami drafted Payne would probably be, you know, more of a rotational piece right off the bat. He wouldn't be that seven, 800 snap player that Sue was, but I think you could kind of work him up there in your late year two, early year three, something like that. And that's something we have to keep an eye on too, is drafting for potential, you know, future prospects too, not just this year. So good to see the Dolphins trying to pursue some of these holes they have on the roster and, just get everything squared away before the draft so you can actually take the best players available. And speaking of the draft, you can catch more of Kevin's work on LockedOnDolphins.com. He has full details on all those guys we just talked about with GIFs, scouting reports, all that stuff. And he has more on the second through fourth round prospects, which we'll talk about next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Winkfield NFL at Locked On Fins.
All right, Kevin, going a little bit deeper into your pieces on LockdownDolphins.com, the defensive prospect primers for defensive tackles, linebackers, and defensive backs. I want to hear you talk about some of your favorite prospects at each of those spots in rounds two through four, where the Dolphins figure to have to get, I would say, at least one starter and then probably two more contributors right away as rookies. And you have really in-depth pieces on LockdownDolphins.com talking about these guys, but can you talk about them on the podcast here for us? Rounds two through four, defensive uh, positions of need on the defense. Go ahead and talk about that. Yeah, uh, I guess just we'll start off with the defensive tackle spot. Um, a couple guys I really liked, and I tried to follow guys that were linked to Miami. So, you know, you won't find B.J. Hill in the defensive tackle piece, for instance. But, you know, Harrison Phillips from Stanford was a guy I really liked. I think he fits this defense really well. Um, he's got a nasty demeanor. He's really strong at the point of attack. Um, Justin Jones from NC State, I don't know if he's quite in that Browns two through four range, but he's another guy that I like um, that would fit well with Miami. Um, and then one guy I didn't get a chance to watch is Kingsley Apara from Maryland. Um, I've heard some really good things about him, but haven't gotten to dive into that film just yet. Um, but again, really liked Harrison Phillips. Um, also didn't get to see any film on Nathan Shepard from Fort Hayes State from up in Canada, um, but he seems to be kind of rising up draft boards. Uh, going to the linebackers, um, Fred Warner from BYU was one guy that really kind of caught my eye. Um, if you ever follow Fran Duffy, who does a lot of stuff for the Philadelphia Eagles website, they run the same defense Miami does. He does some excellent previews, and that kind of caught me on to uh, Fred Warner. Um, really good in coverage. Um, he was probably my, my favorite linebacker to watch um, of those two through four guys. I also liked... Uh, your guy, Darius Leonard from South Carolina State. Um, and then moving to the, the safety positions, um, rounds two through four, I think Justin Reed is probably my favorite. He might even be a guy that would sneak into the late end of round one, maybe in a different draft class. Uh, but I really liked him. Uh, Kaiser White from West Virginia is a guy that I think would basically be, he's the, the draftable equivalent of Kenny Vaccaro, in my opinion. And then I also liked uh, Damon Webb from Ohio State. He probably doesn't fit into rounds two through four, but he's another guy that you could look at later on that would be more of a, a true free safety type of player. And that brings me into the final point I wanted to talk to you about here, Kevin, and, and kind of what you want to do with this draft. Because for me, it seems like this draft is deep at positions the Dolphins have readily apparent needs in 2018, at least on the defensive side of the football. So if you can give me who you want to take at picks 11, 42, 73, 123, and 131, the Dolphins picks in one in rounds one through four, how would you do it? Uh, I would say in a dream scenario, you end up with one of the two between Fitzpatrick and James at pick 11, if not either of those two guys. I'll throw a curveball at you, and this might be a reach, but Rashawn Evans, um, but we'll say they end up with Minka Fitzpatrick just because I think Derwin James will be off the board uh, ahead of Fitzpatrick. So we'll go Minka Fitzpatrick in round one. Uh, round two, I'll stay in the SEC and go with Sony Michelle, the running back from Georgia. Uh, round three, give me Ian Thomas, the tight end from Indiana. Uh, the first pick of round four, this might be a stretch. I hope he is still there, but give me um, Darius Leonard of South Carolina state. And then the second pick, I would say whoever the best quarterback is available. I know Miami's looked at Kyle Aletta, Luke Falk and Kurt Banker, Mike white, whichever one of those four is, is the best guy left at the second pick in round four. I would go with 
that guy. Do you know that you just read off my top five picks on the mock draft on my board I'm looking at right now? I went Well, I went Derwin James, Tony Michelle, Ian Thomas, Luke Falk, Darius Leonard. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> so we're, we are in lockstep right there. But it makes me wonder what the Dolphins will do. Obviously, they, they rarely kind of satisfy what us fans want. So what do you think the Dolphins will do at pick 11? You know, I'm not sure. I think they'll end up going with uh, a defensive back of some sort, but I could see them throwing a curveball, maybe like drafting Josh Jackson in, in hopes of converting him to a free safety, especially if Fitzpatrick and James aren't there. Josh Jackson would bum me out big time, but I could see them going a different direction. With I, I feel like Minka Fitzpatrick is the target just because of the connection to Alabama, but I could definitely see them throwing a curveball like that too. But anyway, he is Kevin Dern. You can find his work on LockedOnDolphins.com, the defensive primer pieces. We'll tweet those out for you guys. You can follow him on Twitter at KevinMD4. Kevin, thanks for doing this again, man. Let's do a, let's let's get you on for a post-draft episode to talk about the new crop of players. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, that sounds good. And you know there's only one thing left to do. Hey, good night, Kevin. Good night, Kevin. And off he goes to his famed tagline. Again, he has great coverage of the NFL draft on LockedOnDolphins.com. We are going to ramp up the draft coverage this week and next week as well, as we are just 10 days away from the draft by the time you guys listen to this. But that will do it for tonight's podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, and check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show, at LockedOnFans. And follow our flagship show, at LockedOnNFL, both on Facebook and Twitter. Check out the number one rated blog in the Locked On Network, LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you tomorrow with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.